Proverbs 9.10 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And we need to have a healthy view of what fearing the Lord is. And fearless is a word that we use here on the podcast all the time. My podcast is named fearless. It's a word that's so important to me, but it can have different meanings in different stages of life and different connotations. But we, are, of course, are living in a hostile um culture that's increasingly hostile to biblical truth, of course. And I wrote a fearless family devotional for those that didn't know. Um, and it's a study on First Peter. It's only 14 days long, but it's to help equip you to spend daily time in God's word and to help you prepare your family to have a fearless faith. And Peter, of course, he wrote this short letter to believers who were living in turbulent times just like we are today. And I will put a link in the show notes of how you can get your own copy, but it's also on my website, sissygramlynch.com. Hi, I'm Sissy Graham Lynch. Welcome to Fearless, helping you have a fearless faith in a compromising culture. Well, welcome back to Fearless 2024, and it's hard to believe that this year has already kicked off and we're already halfway through January. And I'm just kind of curious of how those New Year's resolutions are going and if you're sticking to those goals of this year, because I know at the end of last year, I was already feeling behind. I saw all these people posting their goals and even their spiritual goals. And I always can expect one of my dear friends and a mentor of mine to call me around New Year's Eve or the first of the year to ask me, what is my reading plan for the year? And I knew she was going to text me. And sure enough, on January 1st or 2nd, she texted me. And I said, Pam, it's two days into the year, and I am already behind. And I'm already feeling behind. And of course, that's just the enemy talking. We don't need to have that spirit of already feeling rushed and behind as the new year starts. And I've never been a New Year's resolution kind of person, mainly because I just never kept to them. And don't know too many people that do. But if you do, amazing. And it is important for us to have goals. We need to have goals with our family. We need to have goals in our life, in our career, and spiritual goals. And while many people are well on to their goals and their reading plans of the year, let me just let you on a little secret. I didn't have a reading plan. And I think that's okay for some of us. If you have one, that's great. But for me in a Bible reading plan, I didn't have one this year. And I have just been reading through a daily light and an old devotional. So just show yourself grace. You're not alone if if you're not seeking those goals. But off the heels of the holiday, I already felt like I needed a vacation. Our Christmas definitely didn't seem like this magical year for our family. I'd had six weeks in a row of travel, got home 10 days before Christmas, and right for my last speaking engagement, and I was so excited, had this to-do list of checking all the fun Christmas things off our list with my family, but the flu hit, and it hit all of us, and it hit hard, and it became a very emotional Christmas and holiday season, and just didn't quite feel like what it normally is, but thankful for all the blessings. But as this New Year's kicked off, I've been having just some thoughts, some of my personal goals conversations that I've been having with my children here in our home. And I wanted to share those with you because these are in no specific order, no spiritual significance in the order that I'm going to share these in. But these are five conversations, five prayers, just five thoughts God has put on my heart that I've been having with my family. And I thought I would share them with you. So number one, 
is love. And if you know me or if you've been listening to Fearless for a while, you might think that kind of funny for me to say that number one is love. But I'm really talking about in the context of our family, but really in the world around us. And over the Christmas holiday, I was with my aunt, Gigi, the oldest of my dad's siblings. And she was sharing a story of my grandfather. And she went to a dinner party with him in New York City. My grandmother couldn't join him. And so she was his plus one to Time Magazine. I think they were having an anniversary party and having all these people that had been on the cover of Time Magazine to this big party. And it happened to be during the Monica Lewinsky days and Bill Clinton. And of course, Bill Clinton had been on the front of Time Magazine. So he was there at the dinner party. And I think those of my grandfather who were corresponding, planning with the party, they'd asked for my grandfather not to sit next to Bill Clinton just because of all the controversy going on. And of course, that's just not how my grandfather rolled. He wanted to sit right there next to Bill Clinton because that was his opportunity to pray with him and to share God's word with him and love him and encourage him. So when they got in the car, my aunt asked my grandfather, just goes, Daddy, with a world like this and with sin like that and, you know, what is happening, what do we as Christians, how do we respond to that? And his answer was, it's the Holy Spirit's job to convict, God's job to judge, and it's our job to love. And as she shared that story, it just struck me because we're in such a world where we're fighting for truth and we're fighting, it feels like, battles on all fronts. And it is, it's our job to love, but first it starts with our family. And I think we have to love those in our own household and our own family first, because we are, we are in an ugly, ugly world. And I've often shared here that Jesus was 100% truth. He was 100% grace. And when we love people, even those who are unlovely, we're never to neglect truth in that. That doesn't mean we affirm what the world thinks is love. We don't go by the world's definition of love, but of God's love, and we're to share that. And I do believe, I think this is going to be an ugly year. And we as Christians, if we want a chance to share the love of Jesus, we have to love those around us. And that doesn't mean that we stop fighting for truth. That doesn't mean that we affirm what is wrong, but we are to love them. And let's be honest, I just said that we were coming off a rough holiday season. And in my household, there was some screaming, there was some crying because we were just all so exhausted and tired from being sick. And we live in close quarters here in my house. And we all had to be sent to our room and have time out, me included. I needed a time out. I needed to regroup. And I was teaching my kids and having a conversation with them because there was one moment I had to go in and apologize to them and tell them you know, of how much I love them and what love is. And what God teaches us is just because their mommy goes and teaches and talks about Jesus, that doesn't mean I'm a perfect mom. And I've had to ask for forgiveness and that we are to be quick to love one another because we're all coming off maybe a crazy holiday season. And I want to encourage you that as we go into the new year to find joy with the ones you love this year. Time is precious and life can be taken in a second. It takes one phone call to change our lives. And I do know, like, as I was putting my kids to bed on New Year's Eve, I just thank the Lord. I thank them for one more year with my family, one more year that I got to make memories with my children around the Christmas tree and how precious that is because life can change in a moment. And we all know that. But when it comes to our family and loving our family, let's start there. Be quick to forgive. Be quick to say you're sorry with your family. Love those who are hard to love. Be kind, even when you're mistreated. 
don't let bitterness, if there's things in your family have happened, don't let bitterness take root in your heart because that bitterness, it will destroy you. Um, and don't keep track of wrongdoings. And it's just so simple. It goes back to what the scriptures teach us about love. And I was trying to teach this to my kids over New Year's is 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient. Telling my kids that we have to be patient with one another, that love is kind. We have to treat each other with kindness. And it's, it's funny because I'm teaching this to my kids and these things seem so simple. But how often do we as adults need these reminders in our own lives that love does not envy? It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. And that was when I had to really highlight with my kids the patience and not easily angered because I was not setting that leveling example. And that it always protects one another. It's always uh, trust, always hopes, and always perseveres. And to teach my kids that we have to love each other here in our family first before we can go out into the world and tell the world about the love of Jesus. So that was my first one, love, starting with your family. The second one was be present in the moment. And I've been having this conversation with Corey as we have not mastered this, but we just keep trying to figure out what's best for our family. And then that's to be present because there was one day I was sitting on the couch and I had my phone in my hand and I was scrolling, I think on something not even important. It had nothing to do with work. Um, I was probably just on social media, just scrolling through and Austin is sitting there in front of me telling me a story. And I never even look up at him. I never look at him in the eyes and he goes, mama, did you hear my story? And I realized I didn't take one thing in that he told me. And I just thought, shame on me. Because if in 10 years when he has a phone and roles are reversed and I'm talking to him and he doesn't even look up, that's not going to be acceptable in my household. That would be disrespectful. And I realized in that moment what I was teaching him, but more importantly, that I wasn't even present with that moment with my child. And we're always talking about time, right? Time is fleeting. Time is precious. Where did all the time go? And we're sitting here and we're wasting precious time with our kids. And we're all guilty of this. And I'm so guilty. And we waste it on our phones. We waste it on social media and Netflix. And it can be difficult. This could be a conversation on its own. But uh, how do we navigate in this world of technology and to do it right and Maybe this is something we'll explore more on Fearless. But in our family, this is where Corey and I are really trying to navigate and setting that example with our kids while they're young, but also to be present, not to waste those precious moments and those hours. For us, I've asked Corey and I to not be on our phone from 5.30 to like 8.30 because it's always crazy time when you got dinner, trying to get dinner on the plate, cleaning up, getting bath, doing homework. And I don't need to be on my phone wasting minutes with them. So we're just trying to navigate that. But the average person I did read spends 5.4 hours on their smartphone every single day. And if you sleep for the recommended eight hours every night, that's a full quarter of your waking hours that you spend on your phone. 71% of people admit of sleeping next to our phone because, of course, that's our alarm clock. But I am so guilty. I wake up as soon as my alarm goes on. I pull up my phone just out of habit. And start scrolling. And I don't even know when I'm reading. I don't even know what app I run. You just do it out of habit. And so I've actually been contemplating, should I get an old school alarm clock, battery operated? Because of course, if the power goes out, we want it to work. But keep my phone maybe in my kitchen or something. Those are things I'm going through. Everybody's got to do what's best for them. So out of those 5.4 hours of the smartphone, almost two hours is spent on social media. And over a lifetime, that equals one year and 10 months on YouTube, one year, seven months on Facebook, one year, two months on Snapchat, eight months on Instagram, or 18 days of Twitter. And according to a Barna survey, just over one third of U.S. adults, 
as 34% read the Bible just once a week or more. But we can see where our priorities are. And I, I'm so guilty of that. If I was to look over the holiday weeks of the time that I spent on my social media and the time that I spent with the Lord, it wouldn't even be comparable. It would be embarrassing. And I'm sure I'm not alone in that. But then we're wondering why we're struggling with stress. Why are we struggling with anxiety? Where did all the time go? We don't have enough time in the day. When we rush, 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 it's because we're wasting our time. But however, American Bible Society just had a recent survey, which revealed 52% of people that were surveyed wanted to read the Bible more. And it's just really simple. We just got to do it. So be present. And I'm going to be one of my goals. And I'm a lot of people do, and it's easier said than done, but really making changes this first month of the year on our habits with our phone and being present with my children. The third one is take control of my calendar. And that's what I want to encourage you. Take control of our calendar. This was actually my goal last year, my number one, if I was to say New Year's resolution. And I was really inspired by this person. I follow on social media, as I just said, spend less, less time on social media. But this one person I do not know, his name's uh, Jesse Esler, who one of my favorite people to follow on Instagram. He's more of a motivational speaker, very successful businessman, but loves his family. Family always comes first. He had family later in life. But he said, take control of your calendar. And so I took that to heart, not to the extreme that he does, but I took what I could do last year. And I realized of all the travel I do, if you follow me on Instagram and social media, or even here on Fearless, you know that I travel all the time for work and I'm gone and I'm on the road a lot. But I realized in all those years of like maybe in the last six years with all that travel, my family and I had never been on a family vacation. So I was going to take control of my calendar and I was going to put two kind of big medium trips on my calendar and then also fill it with like every six weeks, something of an adventure. And that's what this guy, Jesse, he calls it his Kevin rule. Fill your calendar with something every six weeks to something you wouldn't normally do. Go watch the sunrise, go for this big hike or take a cooking class. It can be something small. It doesn't have to be big, but every six weeks, do something with your family and fill that up because before we know it, our calendars are filled up with Zoom calls, meetings, soccer games, sports on the weekends, practices, and our weeks are so filled up. And before we know it, time is gone. And we haven't just made those memories that count, those memories that we are really going to remember. So I did that last year. I said it. One of our goals was Utah. I've talked about that trip. It didn't go well. That doesn't mean our memories are going to go well. Our trip to Utah and checking off a bucket list on my birthday to Zion National Park was actually a horrible trip, but we now laugh about it and sure made the memories. But take control of your calendar. And I also want to remind you, especially for women, because I think we live in a culture that is always telling us, you know, we got to do more, be more, produce more for work. We got to say yes to everything. And those who work around me know that I never feel the pressure to say yes. I'm actually probably too quick to say no on some things because I want to protect my family time. And that doesn't mean... It will always benefit me in the work world and stuff. And I want to prioritize my family. I have my children for a short time and there will be a season to do other things and to do more and to take more speaking engagements. But that's not that season for me. And I've known my limit. So I just want to encourage you. It's also okay with your calendar to say no to things. Put those priorities with your family. Number four is, and this is something that I remind myself at the beginning of every year. And it's remember, it's not who you are, but whose you are. It's not who I am, 
but it's who I belong to. Many of you might be reading through the Bible in a year. So you come across the story of Moses very quickly. Maybe it's this week, you're kind of hitting Exodus and the story of Moses. But in Exodus 3, Moses is before the burning bush and God calls Moses to go before Pharaoh. And he wants Moses to bring his people out of Egypt. And Moses has all these excuses. And God calls us each to unique tasks, unique jobs. But we so often give excuses and I am the guilty one. <laughs> Those at work will know. I, I say, no, I'm not adequate to do that. I can't do that. I, I don't have the time to do that. There's better people for the job than me. And we can hide behind our schedules, our skills. We can hide behind our age. We can use our children as excuses. And I can give you every reason under the sun why I would be, not be the person for the job. And Moses had excuses. But God tells us, yes, you have weaknesses, but it's not about your inabilities, but it's about my ability of what I can do through you when you're obedient to my calling. Because when God calls us to do something, we better say yes, and we better go. Sometimes we can feel small and we can feel unequipped and inadequate for the job God calls us to do. Or we ask the question like Moses did, who am I? Who am I to go before Pharaoh? What difference can I possibly make? And I think we can characterize ourselves. The world can characterize us however the world wants to, but only God can place a calling on your life. And when God called Moses to lead the Israelites out of Egypt, Moses said, who am I? What could I do? And God's response was so simple and it was just so powerful. And God says, I will be with you. And some of you might be asking the same question. Who am I in my community? Who am I as a mom? Who am I in my job? What difference can I make? What difference can I make in this nation that is in trouble? There are big changes happening in our nation. Who am I to do something? We watch the news and we see other people making a difference. What could I do? And the truth is, God wants to use you while at the same time, you're going to be doubting yourself and the world's going to doubt you. And so I just want to encourage you when God has called you to do something, he will equip you. And just as Moses said, he will be with you. And that is something I remind myself almost every January is the story of Moses that God will be with me. It's not who I am, but it's who I belong to. Oh, and before I skip to number five, I was actually this morning reading um, a Bible verse. I keep these Bible verses. Somebody gave them to me years ago, and it's called Sweet as Honey. It was the lady that made them, but a friend gave this to me in the NFL, a coach's wife, and I've kept them for the last 10 years next to my coffee maker, and I read them every day. Some have coffee spilt on them. Some are like really crumbled and rough, but today was John 15, 16, and in these scriptures, why they're so great is that your name is inserted in them, and I want to encourage that to you as you read scripture. Make scripture real. It's just not stories we're reading on pages. But scripture is to be real. So insert your name. So I'll insert my name as I read this. It said, you did not choose me, sissy, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And then the father will give you whatever you ask in my name. And as I was preparing this morning to record and thinking that, you know, God chooses us and he equips us. And that was my scripture for this morning. So I thought I would share. But number five. The last thing that's just been on my heart these first couple of weeks of the year is contend for the faith because I believe we need to buckle up our seatbelts. I think this is going to be a difficult year 
2024 is going to be a wild ride. And I don't think we can even begin to imagine what's going to happen this year. This year will bring challenges. This year is going to bring change. This year is going to bring a lot of uncertainty. There's going to be big storms in our country, even in our personal lives. We will face storms. And I think this year, once again, holds the unimaginable. But we know those days are coming and we need to be prepared for those days. And the only way that we can be prepared for those days is to worship God, to read his scripture, spend time in prayer. My grandfather always said one regret he would have spent more time in prayer. And he's a man that prayed a lot. So he didn't say that lightly. But that's our armor for the battles we will face is to read God's word and to study it. And we have to know scripture if we're going to contend for the faith. And in Jude verse three, it says, contend earnestly for the faith. And Jude, he challenged his recipients of his letter to contend earnestly for the faith because of false teachers who were in the church. And these were men who deceitfully infiltrated the church very carefully and quietly. And and we've talked about that here on Fearless, how that has happened. But we have to contend not just in our churches. It starts in our churches. If we thought 2020 had problems with our churches and we saw division, I guarantee you there's going to be more happening this year as we're fighting for truth, even inside of our churches. But even in the world, in our communities, in our kids' schools, God's going to call you places you didn't imagine. You might be one of those moms at the front of the school board fighting for your kids' education and for truth. But I guarantee you, I promise you, it's going to continue to happen in our churches, especially in this crazy year that we are going to face. But God urges us to do something. He urges us to contend for our faith, and we have to take a stand. We're not to sit back. We are not to sit quietly. We don't have to fight like the world would fight, but we stand up for truth. And I promise you, in whatever corner of the world you're in, whatever your quiet little home in your life, there are going to be times, especially in the days in the year ahead, that you are going to have to contend for your faith. But don't be anxious about it. We don't need to panic. We don't need to worry. We can trust him. Our God, he is so big. He's a big God and he knows. He knows the days are coming. He sees us right where we are. And he's a God who can be trusted with these days. So be ready to contend for the faith. The world hates Jesus, but we have the greatest love story that needs to be told the story of Jesus giving up his life for you and for me so that we can have eternal life. And the world is desperate to hear that news. And we're going to have to contend for our faith so we can share that news and share that in our communities. So what would be the beginning of Fearless 2024 if I didn't encourage you with my favorite Bible verse out of Daniel chapter 11, but those who know their God will be able to stand in strength and take action. We're going to have to be able to stand in strength. It's 2024. Truly know your God. Make that your goal this year is to know God, know the characteristics of Him so you can contend for your faith this year. I